0: Welcome to Hydrant Church Online. It's great to be able to engage with you in this kind of virtual way. Now, we recognize it's not what any of us really expected, and it's lasted a lot longer than any of us imagined that it would. And we're not finished yet. We will continue to worship online in the days and weeks and months that are ahead of us. But this Saturday, we have a wonderful opportunity. We're going to gather together together uh, outside and be able to worship together in the shade of the building. So bring your lawn chairs, plan to be a part of that great opportunity. It's kind of a, a test service for us to see how our people, our community are ready to engage in that and if it's something that we should continue to do on a regular basis or not. So if you are thinking this is something you want, then you want to be here this Saturday at 7 p.m. We'll be sending out some updates over the next 10 days about the service, how to be prepared to participate. We want to be sure to be able to connect with you and make sure you get those videos. So if you've not had the opportunity yet, text the word connect to 919-888-4401. And when you do that, you'll get the opportunity to share your name and email address with us. And it's a the best way for us to be able to connect with you and to keep you updated about what's happening here at Hydrant Church and how you can be involved in connecting and filling and overflowing through the work of God's kingdom in this place. We can't wait to be with you. Now, if it rains, we're just going to postpone it a week, but we're excited to be together soon. Now, in the meantime, we're continuing this series of messages called the warrior code. And we have been kind of unpacking line by line a code of ethics, a code of life or a, a rule of life for what it means to be a warrior. We started by talking about how the warrior only fights for peace. We don't fight for pride, we don't fight for glory, we don't fight out of violence or an attempt to control the world. We fight only for peace the warrior seeks to be invisible. We talked about how difficult it is to embrace anonymity as the season that God works and develops and brings the best out of us. Then we said that the warrior finds honor in service. The warrior recognizes that the best of life is when we pour out our lives for others, when we serve others, that we're, where we really find our purpose, where we really find our joy, where we really find who we are created to be, is we, when we find the way that we best serve those we love, the way we serve our community, the way we serve our world. We said that the warrior takes mastery over their minds. Every battle we face begins and ends in the mind. Every battle we face begins or ends in our thinking. We fight that battle first. When we fight that battle, when we begin to take our thoughts captive, we begin to direct our actions and our emotions and the way life goes. Last week, as we continue to unpack this warrior code, this ancient pathway to peace, we said that the warrior owns defeat. Now, it may seem counterintuitive and counterproductive to really becoming the warrior for peace that that God made us to be, but the reality is until we accept responsibility for our lives, until we own our lives, both our defeats, our successes, our failures, and our victories, we can't become who we were created to be. Today, we want to continue down this pathway, continue to unpack the Warrior's Code. And today we want to recognize and to see and hear the truth that the warrior builds their strength. The warrior builds their strength. Sometimes in life I feel strong and maybe you can relate. You feel strong and ready to to leverage your strengths and to face the day and to go after everything that that God has for you. You feel energized and excited and and ready. And then there are those days where it's all you can do to to get out of bed. And it seems like those moments of strength and weakness, energy and depletion, just back up to one another and are this ongoing part of life. We as human beings, that we experience each other as... As flesh and blood, there's this, this really interesting truth. See, we've discovered and understand now that mass is actually just energy in another form. And so when we look at one another, we're, we're, we're seeing flesh and blood, but what we're really seeing is this ball of immense energy. We are made of energy. The same thing that brings light, the same thing that energizes the sun is, is comparable to what is inside you and me we are energy we're we are fueled and ready but we don't often live like it it's strange how some people seem to live their lives no matter their age with boundless energy they seem to have the ability to face every challenge every time they get knocked down they jump up and seem to have a better attitude when they do it. They, they Every day just is a, a new adventure, a new excitement. And they are ready and, and full of this just energy and strength and joy. And, and then there are those other people who, who seem to feel weak and energized, de-energized, even in the prime of their lives. They can't get motivated to do anything. They don't seem strong enough to, to make it through a day, much less the struggles of life. And everything overwhelms them. And they walk as if there's this shell of a person with no energy. And we wonder sometimes, why? And I think the truth is that we can fill our lives. We can fuel our lives with energy. We can live in such a way that it, that it builds strength within us, that it builds fuel, that it builds up that energy, or we can live in ways that deplete that energy. We can live in ways that exhaust that energy and leave us empty and weak. Sometimes it's our just our mindset. It happens just at the the most internal places of just posture toward life that we allow things to rob us of our strength. Depression has a way of robbing us of our strength and leaving us weak and depleted and feeling helpless and hopeless and unable to attack the day. Maybe it's not even depression, but just fear, anxiety, worry that has a way of paralyzing and robbing us of our strength. Discouragement just can, can zap our strength for the day, heartbreak or anger or negativity. If these things are within us as a general and natural posture for how we attack life or how we approach life, then we're going to find ourselves losing this battle for peace and strength every day. But there are those who, who live with this boundless sense of energy because they are building it up. They are building their strength day by day by day. No matter what happens, they are facing it and approaching it in a way that builds up their strength. And I think that there are three kind of things that these folks do that we find in Scripture. The first is that they live with purpose. They have found strength and energy around their purpose, not just their passion or their vision for life, but a a purpose for being found in God. They have relationships that fuel their energy and strength. That begins in our relationship with God, but that they surround themselves with the people who will pour into them instead of the people who will just suck the life out of them. We all know those people. We've all been around those people who have a way of just depleting our energy in a few moments of, of conversation. We leave struggling to, to get going again. And then we we know those people that a five-minute conversation with has a way of just energizing us and, and strengthening us for what's ahead. The third thing is that they embrace joy. They embrace joy. The most joyful people are the strongest people that you know. The weakest people that you know usually live with the least amount of joy. So we build strength into our lives by aligning our lives with God and His purpose. When, when we're disconnected from Him, when we're, when we're drifting, when we're living for our, our own agenda, our own ambitions, our own dreams, apart from anything that God would ask or want for us, then we find ourselves drained by the process. We find ourselves weak. We find ourselves lacking the energy and strength to keep fighting those fights that matter most. And in the midst of it, things that really matter, end up going to the wayside. They end up, they end up being the things that we neglect or or leave out because we're not focused on what matters most. We're not connected to God and living for His purpose, for His will, for His design for us in our day-to-day lives. And so we, we want His strength, but we don't want to do necessarily what He wants us to do. Or we Try to do what he wants us to do in our own strength. And what we really need, what we really need is to connect with God in a way that will fuel us and build our strength. When we, when we're disconnected from him, we're disconnected from our greatest source of strength. It doesn't matter what gifts or strengths or talents or abilities you have. If you try to use them for your own purposes, or you try to use them apart from God's strength, you will always fall short of the potential and the possibility that God has built into you. It's like the truck that I have. I really enjoy my truck, hit the gas, it goes where I want it to go. It can pull the boat, get me to the lake, which is a big plus, need that. But that truck is useless. If it doesn't have fuel, if I don't remember to stop and fuel it up, to give it the thing that will produce energy in it, then it's not going to go anywhere. It doesn't matter how good a truck it is without the fuel. It's not going anywhere. It it happens to our lives, right? We have to take care of our bodies. Our bodies aren't designed to, to create fuel. In fact, they consume fuel that fuel comes to us in the form of the the things that we eat and drink. If we eat and drink the right things, the good fuel, we'll have good energy. Eating the wrong things can in fact deplete our energy. If we don't eat enough, we won't have enough energy. If we eat too much, we'll have too much stored energy and it weakens us too. I think the same thing happens to us spiritually all the time. Right? Like we we're not designed to generate energy and strength within ourselves. But we try. We try to attack life's purposes. We try to to deal with our relationships. We try to to do our work. We try to, to serve in the church or the community. But we try to do it by looking into ourselves for strength. And there's just not a deep enough well of strength there. And if that doesn't work, then we'll grab another cup of coffee another energy drink, another workout, whatever we think will give us enough energy to go again. But we can never find within ourselves or anyone else other than God, the real strength we need to be able to fight the fight for the things that matter most. You know, I think spiritually, we also, we we like to talk about the blessings of God. We like to talk about the strength of God and how God will, will, will allow you to, to run without growing tired or that in my weakness, he is strong and we, we want his strength. In fact, we take verses like, um, like I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength and we, we lift it out of context and we apply it to sports and we apply it to work and we apply it to, to anything that we're doing and think that, well, God will just give me the strength that I need because with him, I can do anything. The problem is that his strength is attached to his purposes. He's not going to fill us with his supernatural strength to do things that don't matter in the world that don't build our souls, that don't build our communities, that don't have a positive effect on us being who we were created to be. His strength is attached to his will, to his purpose, to the things that he wants for us. Do you want to build your strength? Then ask yourself daily, maybe, maybe hourly, every time it comes to mind, God, what is it that you want me to do? What do you want me to do in this situation? What decision do you want me to make? How do you want me to move forward? God, what are you asking me to do in this relationship? God, what are you asking me to do in my work? And then do you really have the courage to do it? And and who can help? So we teach that here is just a simple way of being a disciple. What is God asking you to do? Do you have the courage to do it? And how can I help? We help one another. We embrace this journey together. It's our relationships that add to our strength as we pursue God together. And we become who we were created to be. Psalm chapter 84, verses 5 through 7, read this way. Happy, happy are those whose strength is in you. Happy are those whose strength is in God, whose heart are the highways to Zion, who are who are walking with God and on this pathway with him. As they go through the valley of Baca, or weeping, as they go through struggle, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. The God of all gods will be seen by them in Zion. God's strength is attached to his purpose. It's attached to walking in his ways. It's attached to worship. It's attached to, to devotion to him. It's attached to serving. In all of the ways that we have been talking about how God develops our character and then uses us for the good of the world around us is where we find the strength of God. But it's not like this thing that happens only once. I mean, I wish that we could wake up, take one big breath, and that was all the breath we needed for the rest of our lives. But it doesn't work that way. I wish I could fill my truck up with fuel one time and it lasts the entire time I own it. But it doesn't work that way. I wish I could I wish I wish could charge up my cell phone once and it lasts all day. It doesn't even do that. The same is true in our relationship with God. You can't just charge it up, fill it up once. He doesn't just give us strength once. In fact, that strength will be depleted as we use it. But it's always there for us to go back to him and go from strength to strength, from strength to strength moments where He fills us and we do the work that He's asked us to do and then we rest. And then we go back to Him and we re-engage, we reconnect and He fills us for the next thing that He has for us. Just a little side note, not every season, not every moment, not every day is one of strength. There are moments of weakness and we don't need to beat ourselves up. That is not failure. It's just part of the journey of moving from strength To strength. And it's a sign that we need to reconnect with Him, to connect with the one who made us. As we devote ourselves to God's purpose and we find Him moving us from strength to strength, we will be renewed for everything that matters most. And we'll find the courage and the strength we need to do the things that He's asking us to do. Only by walking with Him will we really find strength. If we go to the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 8, we find this really remarkable story. You see, Nehemiah itself, the whole book is this, this telling of how a man who was in exile serving the king heard about the problems back home in Jerusalem and how they needed a wall and he got permission and he got the resources and he, he came home and he rallied the team to build the wall around Jerusalem. And now, as they have begun to rebuild the wall and their homes, and they are there together, in chapter 8, we find a man named Ezra, along with Nehemiah and the other leaders, reading the law. And Ezra, I mean, in Nehemiah chapter 8, beginning at verse 2, it reads this way: So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men and women and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. If we pick up at verse 8, it says, They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear, making it understandable, helping everyone to to be able to to understand what's being said. And they said they gave it meaning so that people could understand. Verse 9, Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is sacred to the Lord your God. This day is sacred to the Lord your God. God. Now, one just really interesting kind of thing to me is growing up as a kid, growing up in the South, and maybe your experience of church and this idea of sacred meant like serious, maybe meant boring, meant quiet. It meant things that you, it meant, it meant situations and environments where you were supposed to behave in a certain way. I can still remember being a kid at church, excited to be with my friends, if nothing else running through the hallways and hearing the old man, stop that running! And you were supposed to just freeze in that moment. Maybe you've traveled to to big cities and wanted to visit ancient cathedrals and you you look around at the vastness of that space and it's quiet. And everyone is moving slowly. And it's all very priceless. It's sacred and it's this... Serious thing. It's not a place of laughter, of joy, not a place for a party. And you might get the misunderstanding that we serve a God who is very serious and must always be serious, and all worship must be serious. And the more boring it is, the better it is. It doesn't matter if you like church. You don't go because it's a good place to be. It doesn't, we don't go because it brings you joy. You go because you have to, because if you don't, the very serious God may very seriously punish you. And that's kind of how I imagined things that were sacred growing up. And I think that what we have here is this, these people, they're hearing, they're hearing the word of the Lord. They're hearing the law of God. And it's breaking their heart. And they're seeing their own brokenness and their own sin and their own failure. And they're weeping and mourning. They're weeping and mourning at their their failure. And I think that that's a natural response. And there are moments for weeping and mourning. But I don't think that it's the response that God wanted from them or wanted from us. He say for the people... Nehemiah and Ezra and the priests and the Levites, they they tell the people, Today is a sacred day, sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said this Go have a party, go and celebrate, go and enjoy. Choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, We still, this is a sacred day. Do not grieve. Then they all went to eat and drink and to send portions of food to celebrate. With great joy, because they now understood the words who that had been made known to them. They understood what God was saying to them. They understood what was happening. They understood God's love for them and his presence with them. And they had to celebrate because the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's not your your ability to be solemn. It's not your ability to be introspective. It's not your devotion to him. It is the joy of Of the Lord that makes us strong. It is the joy of the Lord that makes us strong. We can't know God's strength apart from joy. We can't know God's strength apart from the joy of the Lord. It is our strength. The more joy we have, the more strength. We have. That means there should be more celebration. There should be more party. There should be more reasons for us to point to all that is good in this life. All that God is doing. In fact, it's, it's what our faith is built on. In Romans, Paul writes that, that righteousness, this right relationship with God, that, that our Christianity is built on righteousness and faith and joy righteousness and faith and joy yes there will be suffering at times when we go through those because of the joy he has in us has given us because of the joy in us we have the strength to face them but like these israelites and nehemiah we stand in that moment aware of our weakness aware of our weakness and our need to receive strength Because it's not about how we make ourselves strong. It's not about the devotion that we have in and with and for ourselves. It's not about white knuckling it. It's not about trying harder. It's about recognizing the one who gives us strength to do the things that matter most. It's what Jesus has done for us. In fact, he did it for the sake of joy. Hebrews 12, too, says that he endures the suffering for the joy set before him. He's able to endure, to persevere, to go through everything that he did for you and me. He is able to endure the beatings and the lies and the betrayals. He endured the cross for the joy of drawing us in. The joy that was set before him. I want to read one more scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. It reads like this. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Some of us, some of us have been fighting the battles we face all alone. We have been fighting in our own strength. And we've been getting our butts whipped day after day, week after week. We find ourselves beaten up, bruised, exhausted, unable to engage in our relationships the way we really want, unable to engage in our work the way we're called to work, unable to enjoy the beauty of life around us, unable to to even rest. We've been trying and trying and spinning our wheels on our own. Others of us have been chasing the wrong things, acting like God will give us strength, believing that He will give us strength for things that don't matter at all. When we've been called to build our strength, to build our strength in the purposes of God, in a relationship with God, in the joy of God, it begins in surrender. As we surrender... In our weakness to God, we find true strength. We find the strength to live, to be, to fight, to do all that he asked us to do. Let's pray. God, our desire is to be who you made us to be. To live into the potential that you've put within us, to, to seize the opportunities, even as we walk through the door of struggle, to know what it is to be joyful, even in the midst of difficulty. And we can't do that on our own. We don't have it within ourselves to fight this fight. We need you. And so we, we stop and we ask God that you would take charge that you we would we surrender ourselves to you and that we will use our energy we'll use our time we will use our days for your purpose would you show us god what it is you're asking us to do fill us with the courage to do it and surround us with the people who can help us god we want you more than anything else so we surrender we ask your grace and forgiveness to, to wash over us in a fresh way. We ask that you would forgive us for the ways that we have misused the opportunities and energy and strength that you have given us. We, we ask for forgiveness for the things that we have pursued that, that hurt you and hurt ourselves and, and hurt others. And we ask that you would fill us with your love and that you would connect with us in a new way and that we would know your grace and mercy, and that we would live from this day forward for you and your purpose, and that we might know the joy of the Lord is our strength. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.